Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, February the 7th, 2023. It is currently 3.05 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I'm going to ask some questions here. And I want you to understand that I am painfully aware of the danger that may be implied in how I may answer these questions or how I may view this entire situation that we're going to be talking about. I understand that there is inherent danger built in. And I don't want you to, I don't want you to think or perceive in any way, shape, or form when I start asking these questions and start articulating some of my ideas, my perspective, my ideology, my philosophy, however you want to classify it. I don't want you to think that I'm just saying, Hey, don't worry about any of these dangers. There's no danger here. I understand there's danger, but at the same time, I think that there are some benefits and I don't know how you weigh, how do you balance this out? Let, let me try to ask some questions to, to kind of get us started here, all right? All right, try to get us started. All right, here we go. When it comes to theology, when it comes to biblical interpretation, how much room should there be? How much freedom should there be in approaching things from a different perspective, questioning things, exploring different ideas, exploring different understandings. Like how much freedom, how much allowance should be given for exploration, for for thinking, for questioning, for creativity? Or should there be just, no, 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 no. Here's the box, stay in the box. Here are the lines, do not color outside the lines. This is the way you think, this is how you speak, this is what you do, and any deviation will be frowned upon, any deviation will not be accepted, any deviation will be met with swift, uh, you know, uh, swift consequences. How, how much freedom do you think there is? Now, I know some of that makes you nervous, like, no, 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 no. When it comes to theology and it comes to biblical interpretation, it has to be right down. Here's the line you do not cross. And I understand that there is heresy. I do understand there is false doctrine. I do understand there's wrong theology. I do understand there's wrong interpretation and the mishandling of the scripture. And we talk about that a lot right here on this podcast. But I think sometimes, that any questioning, any struggling, any any trying to work on maybe, okay, well, what about this? Or what about this? Or what about that? It's almost immediately everyone pulls out their guns and they start shooting. Everyone pulls out their swords and starts slashing. Everyone pulls out their phone and starts tweeting, okay? I, everyone just, it just seems like, this is the way it must be. And, I, and I'm very, I'm painfully aware of this. I'll just give you some brief examples from my own life. Some brief examples from my own life. It was my daughter's, I believe, second or first birthday. Now, I was a, a student at a Bible institute, a part of a church in Papillion, Nebraska. I was theologically curious. I was theologically inquisitive. 
I had, I was wanting to learn, 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 learn. And I wanted to go way beyond just what that school could teach me because I was enrolled in that school. In the meantime, I enrolled in another school. And then at, at that time, I also enrolled at Grace University. I was probably attending three schools, full-time job in the military. I was, I was just uh, so hungry for knowledge and bought, you know, fill, fill every systematic theology I could find. You, I was just reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. Now, the school and the church that I was attending in Papillion, Nebraska, was an independent fundamental Baptist church, dispensational, very much semi-Pelagian, if not at times full-blown Pelagian in some of their concepts. S- clearly a semi-Pelagian, Arminian kind of concept of theology, of, of salvation. And you, you kind of a KJV only mindset. You kind of know, very conservative. And so I, it, it, it did not take long that I would get myself in trouble because I would be like, well, what about this? And what? Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, what about this? And it, it's basically was shut up and color, shut up and color. And and I was like, okay, okay. So I, but I was still learning. So trying to fall, trying to figure out how to, to shut up and color. I was trying to figure out how to do this. Now, I thought, okay, I understand you have to shut up in color, but can't you continue to study and question and, and struggle and, and try to figure, and, and isn't it great that Christians can get together and struggle and try to figure it out? Like, isn't it, isn't it wonderful? I thought, or so my daughter's first or second birthday. There, there's video of this somewhere, okay? Now, the women are in the kitchen, uh, the children are playing, and some of the men are there who came with their wives. And they're in my living room. And you can see that there's like, I got books out. I got all of these books. And we're having this like full-blown theological discussion. And we are discussing things like limited atonement and, you know, um, like uh, total depravity, uh, you know, unconditional election. You know, you, you, get, you get where I'm going, like the tulip kind of concept. I was, I was saying unconditional election. I was going to try to change the name, some of them, to see if you – I didn't want to give away too much. But we were having conversations about these concepts, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints kind of, kind of concept, all right? So um, just going through some of these, and, and maybe not – I don't even know, you know, exactly which way, but just some of these concepts, right? In other words, it wasn't like, hey, guys, you need to believe this. It was more like – well, there's this system and there's this system. And what about this? And I was reading this and I was thinking this. And what about this? And I was struggling with this. And, and like, it wasn't like, here's my agenda. It was just like theology started being talk, talked about. And I was like, well, I've been reading this and I've been reading that. And and not, I did not even have a position really. I was just like, well, this is a, this is shown up in church history. And like just having all of these discussions, I thought it was a friendly conversation. I thought everything was good. I thought everything was wonderful, right? Birthday party ends. Hey, see ya. See ya Sunday. Everything's good. Everything's good. Everybody leaves the house, I don't know, 3, 4 p.m. on a Saturday. Church is tomorrow. I'm thinking everything's good. Life is good. Wow, that was a good theological conversation. That was wonderful. That was awesome. Hopefully, you know, everyone had fun at the birthday party. I thought it was a success. Everything's good. Everything's wonderful. And then was it around 5.30? 6 p.m., I get a phone call. Hey, uh, you you need to come up to the church. Uh, we need to have a discussion. And it's the pastor. And I'm like, wait, I need to come up to the church? What do you mean I need to come up to the dis- church? Yeah, I, you need to come up to the Can I tell you, ask what's going on? No, you don't need to know that, all right? And, and so I drive all the way to, I, I live in Bellevue. I drive to Papillion, not super far, but a drive. 
And I'm not thinking anything about it. I walk into the the, the main lobby of the church, and I think there, I think you take a left, and there's the pastor's office. And I walk into the pastor's office, and immediately I knew that something had gone horribly wrong. Because guess who was sitting in the pastor's office? The men who had spent a couple of hours having a good, friendly, theological conversation about I thought everything was good and everything was wonderful. And they're sitting there. They have obviously, they went from the birthday party directly to the pastor, directly to the church. And now I was about to be, I, I was, it was the beginning of the, I mean, it was the beginning of the, the end because ultimately it all ends horribly. Um, but it takes a long, it takes a long time before it all comes to an end. But at that moment, everything was getting ready to go wrong because basically it was, oh, I hear you're a Calvinist. I'm like, wait. I'm a Calvinist? Like, wait, 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 what just happened? Like, like when did, when did I become a Calvinist? Like, I didn't understand how I had gotten myself into this situation. I, I didn't really understand. Like, wait a minute, wait, I, wait, what, what, what's going on? And then I, I was just like all these accusations. And I'm looking at these two men like, what kind of cowards are you? You couldn't have just said, hey, dude, 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 that's a no-no. You you start thinking that way. I'll have to tell the pastor you're going you're going to get kicked out of the Bible institute. This this like just just straight up man up and tell me no 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 no. They acted like everything was cool. Ran to the pastor and now I'm being called on the carpet without any. I have I'm being hijacked right. There's no I don't have a time to prepare. I don't know what's coming and and which this is going. If I if I tell you the whole story of how everything ends at this church, this becomes a pattern, right? The pastor liked to have the upper hand when he called you into the office, so that you had no clue what was going on. And then boom, he would he would you know basically he would attack, and you were left defenseless because you weren't prepared. Some really messed up ways things went down. All right. But I, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out exactly what's going on. But almost instantaneously, once the pastor starts talking about quote unquote Calvinism, it becomes obvious that the man has no idea what he's taught. He's completely misrepresenting everything about it. I'm like, well, that's not accurate. That's, so I find myself defending Calvinism, but it's not like I'm trying to defend Calvinism. I'm, no, 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 I'm not. I'm just trying to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're misunderstanding it. You're misrepresenting it. You, you're like, like I, all I was doing was, and basically I was told, you don't question, you don't challenge, you don't read anything else. You only read the books. Basically, I tell you to read. You only believe what we tell you to believe. There is no room for in, inquisitivity. There's no room for curiosity. There's no room for exploration. We draw the line and you follow the line. And it's like, what just happened? So I tried to defend it and then be basically it ends with, I'm kicked out of the Bible Institute. I, all of my ministry activities have now been put, oh, I'm basically I'm not excommunicated, but I am excommunicated from anything and everything going on in the church as far as teaching is concerned. Even though I hadn't taught anything contrary to the church's doctrine, just because I was merely studying and questioning and struggling and asking, no, 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 there was no room for that. Now, it's, it's a long story. I finally get brought back into the Bible Institute because I have to agree to a ridiculous statement that the man doesn't even understand. <laughs> like, I'm like, you have to agree. Hey, do you believe that election is based on foreknowledge? Do you mean foreknowledge or do you mean foreseen faith? Like, he didn't even understand the distinction. I'm like, I, I can agree with this based off this scripture. Okay, whatever. Clearly, he didn't even know what he was referring to. I, I graduate from that Bible Institute. I do get ordained at that church. Everything still blows up because of my constantly questioning and studying. At one time, I get called to someone's house like, so you don't think the school at this church was good enough for you? 
You have to keep going to these other schools? Like, you think you're better than the rest of us? You think you're, you're, you're arrogant, so prideful that you don't think this Bible is, and I'm like, well, sorry, nope, this Bible Institute wasn't enough for me. I want as many, I want to attend as many schools as humanly possible. And if I have, if the military will pay for it, I'm going to go to 50 schools. I'll go to 60 schools. I'll get as many degrees as I want to get. And if you are offended by that, it's not my problem. But, but the bottom line is it all comes to a horrible end. I have to end up going to another church. I get ordained a second time, even though the first church did not revoke my ordination. I still, the next one just, it was just, it was a crazy situation. But what happened is I wasn't able to question anything. I wasn't able, there was no room. I could go through, I could go through countless other stories. I could go through other countless other stories, but I don't want to waste all the time on that. The point is how much room is allowed how much room is allowed? Even, even within a church, if you've ever been a small group, if you've ever been in a Sunday school, if you're a pastor like me who loves to engage the audience in my teaching and preaching, right? I ask questions and questions and questions and questions and questions and questions. I know. Now, I think now the church kind of knows me a little bit better, but it's, it's, there's always been at least one or two individuals in the church who they can't, they can't stop themselves. I'll ask a very like challenging question. One that's like makes Christians nervous. For example, on Sunday, I asked, or I kind of put forth this concept. Well, wait a minute. Has anyone ever considered the difficulty with prayer in regards to this situation? Horrible tragedy happens. And then everyone says, please pray about this situation. And I'm the one who would raise my hand and go, well, wait a minute. We're going to pray to the God about the situation that he knew was going to happen and did nothing to stop. Now I'm going to pray to the God. Uh, the God, like the, this is this is a conflicting thing in my mind. Now you bring that up. So sometimes I'll bring up these very difficult and uncomfortable issues, and Christians will immediately get defensive. Like instead of like, well, wow, that's that is difficult. I don't know how I would respond to that. It's like they immediately have to give an answer. No, 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 no. You're wrong. And it's so like, calm down, calm down. I'm just, I'm just exploring. I'm just struggling with this. What about this? Now I understand there's a danger, right? Because you, there, it's, it's always weird. You can find some people and you can have these amazing questions and discussions and exploration and everyone understands, but there's, there's obviously there's false doctrine. But some people come along and they want to have those kinds of questions and they're, and they just run off the, and you're like, where are you? And they, they're like, they left orthodoxy. They left theological correctness so far behind. And you're like, oh man. Well, and they're like, well, I thought you liked questions. I'm like, well, I, yeah, but I didn't like you supporting heresy. So it's hard to find that balance. But even in church, sometimes if you raise certain questions, people would just get defensive. And they won't go, well, let, that's an interest. That is struggle. That is difficult. How, let's explore that. No, 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 no. It's like, get back in line. Stop coloring outside the lines. Now, why am I spending 15 minutes trying to lay the foundation? Because I have a news story that really I just want to give you information about, but I wanted to add a practical aspect to this. Now, I know when I use the word controversy, 
doesn't really mean anything, right? Because I mean, it, it, the question is, what, what's the controversy today? When I wake up, I'm like, what is everyone upset about today? Right? Like every day there's a controversy somewhere, right? Someone is ticked off about someone, something. Someone is upset. The world just is a never ending controversy every day. Yesterday it was Sam Smith and Kim Petras and unholy at the Grammys. And even Alex Jones was yelling and screaming. I was listening to it around 2 a.m. And it was, he was just, yeah, oh, this is unholy. And the the liberals are Satanists. And and it's so weird that Alex Jones would go crazy about it because his bumper music that he sometimes sings along with when his show begins can be everything from Iron Maiden to Motley Crue. And it's like, uh, these were the bands that people were saying were Satanist back in the eighties. But I guess now that it's 2000, it's 2023, it doesn't matter. Now the artists today, they're real Satanists. Back then they were just pretend Satanists. I don't know, but it's just crazy. Um, and yeah, well, Alex Jones is dropping every expletive under the sun, but that's okay. It's just so weird. Just so weird. But we had that controversy and everyone moved on quickly. So I, I open up a website. Well, actually, I, to be for full full disclosure, I had headphones on listening to music, and then I get some notification on my iPad, and I just see a mighty controversy, and I'm like, a mighty controversy, a mighty controversy about what? Follow the links, and I end up at Christianity Today, and here's the full headline: A mighty controversy is this. Lutheran catechism. A mighty controversy is this Lutheran catechism. Now, I think they're having a little bit of play on words. A mighty fortress written by Luther. A mighty controversy is this Lutheran catechism. I'm like, okay, clever. Whoever wrote the headline, I like it. That's pretty clear. I, I see what you did there. You got You got my attention. But my first thought was, whoa, wait a minute. There's a controversy over a Lutheran catechism. Where have I been? Where I, th- this to me is far more interesting than people being upset that Sam Smith and Kim Petras for their song Unholy had a performance that was, well, unholy. <laughs> You're kind of like, oh no. Okay. All right. What? That the Grammys had a controversial performance. <gasps> it's never happened in its, okay, whatever. All right. Oh, wait, you're talking the, the pop world, the secular music world have, has a tendency to do things controversial. This is a breaking news, ladies and breaking news, breaking news. There's controversy at the Grammys, breaking news, secular artists sometimes sing songs that are not in agreement with Christian morality, breaking news. Okay. Right. All right. It's been happening since when forever. Okay. But all right, I digress. I digress. But immediately I thought, well, I don't know. I don't know anything about this controversy. I don't know. Do you know anything about it? Did you know there was a controversy over a Lutheran catechism? I didn't. I didn't at all. I, I, I was like, well, wh- where? And then I thought, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. I know what happened. They must have produced a new version of the Lutheran catechism, um, Luther's large catechism. They must have added notes or, or something. And controversy erupted. Someone just said, nope, they didn't know. Well, think, I'm glad I'm not the only one. I, I completely missed this. So I wanted to at least inform you, hey, there's controversy over this new Lutheran catechism. Now, I don't know about you. <laughs> I hear it's controversial and I'm immediately like, where's my debit card? I'm buying three copies. I know, I know, I know I shouldn't do that, but I am interested. What is so controversial 
about the new Lutheran catechism. What happens? Does, does the new Lutheran catechism deny Lutheranism? I remember when, what, 1994, when the new Catholic catechism came out? Everybody was losing their minds. Oh man, I got, <laughs> I got in my car and drove immediately to like the far west side of Omaha, Nebraska. I don't even remember the name of that Christian bookstore, but I walked in there and I'm like, I need the new, it was the Catholic catechism, the new Catholic catechism in 1994. And I, I, I bought a copy immediately because I'm like, everyone's losing their minds over it. I got to get a copy. So I want a copy of this. So I'm, I'm probably going to have to buy a copy. Supposedly it's 700 pages long. So I'm really fascinated. 700 pages? What is happening? So here we go. I've got other things to read as well. I've got church fathers. I got, I got a million things. But here, I'm just going to give you a little bit of this information and we'll see. I guess this was published today at 10 a.m. All right. A mighty controversy is this Lutheran catechism. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Now stop right there. I have connection because when I was a Lutheran, I was first a Lutheran in the Evangelical Church of America, which was whacked out, heretical, liberal. I don't know what in the world was happening there. That was cuckoo for Cocoa Puff stuff. All right. That was crazy. I didn't really understand what was going on. I just knew like, whoa, there's some things here that I think is cool, but I don't understand everything. And so finally, I'm like, okay, I got to get away from this. And then I ended up in a Missouri Synod Lutheran Church. And that's where I started really digging into doctrine and theology and that's where I was going to go to school to become a Lutheran pastor. So, so I'm, I'm familiar with the Missouri Synod. Typically, that you would consider the Missouri Synod far more conservative, especially than the Evangelical Church. The Lutheran, the Lutheran Evangelical Church of America is the liberal. I think the uh, is it the Wisconsin Synod, maybe even more uh, conservative. But Missouri Synod is typically more conservative more confessional, as they would put it. All right, here we go. A mighty controversy is this Lutheran catechism. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod resumes distribution of the new annotated volume after detractors push back on essays. So I guess they were publishing it. Then they pulled it. Now they're publishing it again. So clearly the controversy got so bad that they stopped publishing the catechism, I do, where was I? Where I don't know where I was for any of this. Here's a little bit of information. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, LCMS, has resumed distributing its new annotated edition of Luther's large catechism over the objections of some of the denomination's most conservative members and pastors. Luther's large catechism with annotations and contemporary applications contains the unaltered text of Luther's large catechism, a core Lutheran doctrinal statement with 80 essays applying Luther's ideas in modern society. The book is over 700 pages long. Concordia Publishing House released the work in mid-January But two weeks ago, the LCMS president, Matthew Harrison, announced that he had asked the denominational publisher to stop distribution so they could evaluate the comments and critiques received and revisit our doctrinal process. So two weeks ago, he's like, we got to stop. We got to stop this. I I missed this. I had no idea what was going on. I don't know. I I feel bad that I, I wasn't going on, knowing what was going on, but I missed it. Now. 
Let's stop right here. You may be saying, okay, so why are we talking about this? Well, I've given you a hint in my 15-minute intro, right? Because is this a situation where, once again, no questioning? No, you, 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 they have to stay right here within the lines. And some, somebody in these essays colored outside the lines. And everybody's like, that's it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. We don't want it. Everyone loses their minds, right? So they had to pull it right? because, you know, Christian created Christianity created cancel culture, right? Okay, so we have to look at this, okay? So, on the, so I'm interested on, in it from that perspective. But I'm also interested from this perspective. This is always important. Whenever there are new perspectives, new ideas, whenever, and I'm just going to use the term, some people may not like it, whenever there's an evolution in theological thinking, whenever there's a new perspective, a new concept, a new idea, whenever that works its way into theology, even if it's at the academic level, Sooner or later, those new concepts, those new ideas, at first they may be put in an academic kind of format and the average church member doesn't know about it. Nobody's paying any attention. No one cares. But sooner or later, someone will take that more academic concept, repackage it, and then it will begin to infiltrate popular mainstream Christianity and begin to spread through the church and nobody will realize that they're buying into or adapting kind of an evolutionary step in a theological thinking. So our our job as pastors is to be aware of these new developments so that we can equip people so that they will not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. That's kind of remember what church is really supposed to be about is equipping people, not just preaching little sermons, but actually equipping people. And so you got to deal with serious issues and and you got to let people know. Hey, see right here. There, there. This this is a new way of thinking. This is a new new way of thinking, and we've got to deal with it. We got it because it will show up. Now, whatever its original form is, may not be the form that shows up in your church or my church. But we have to see its origin, its development, so that we can acknowledge it, call it out, and see and to see if we can learn anything from it. So, what I wonder what happened here in these essays. Let's see, do we get any, see if we get any idea. Here we go. Critics raise concerns that some of the essays were, are not, which are not Lutheran doctrine mishandled current issues. So here we go. The essays are not Lutheran doctrine. So in other words, Lutheran doctrine is not defined by these essays. It's defined, it would be more defined by Luther's actual text in the catechism, Right. Luther, Luther would be the one who really defines Luther, Lutheran catechism. That may, a Lutheran doctrine. That would make sense. But some people wrote some essays. Now, the, so critics raise concerns that some of the essays, which are not Lutheran doctrine, mishandled current issues. So like, uh-oh, 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 wait a minute. So some theologians wrote essays and trying to apply Lutheran doctrine to social issues. And guess what happens? Uh-oh. Someone didn't color inside the lines. Do you want to guess what some of these issues are? Racial justice. Oh, no, no, no. That's bad. Human sexuality. Oh, no. And gun rights. You got to think, you got to follow the party line. You got to follow the party line. You got to. You can't. There's no deviation. You have to stay in line. And if you think a little differently about any of these issues, look, I know this from being a pastor in the middle of nowhere, Texas. 
If I start talking about guns and I don't follow the typical Texas mindset, uh-oh. If I if I don't follow the typical Texas mindset about a lot of issues. Now, the good thing is, is my church, even though they may disagree with my views on some of these issues, they've allowed me to be able to speak them and me understanding that we have some differences of opinions in those areas, but it's okay. We, we can work through that because our main focus is theology and the church. I, obviously, I don't use the pulpit for politics, but whenever I deal with some issue because it relates to scripture, right, then I'm dealing it from a theological perspective and I try to look at it from the most theological perspective. Well, guess what? When you look at things from the most theological perspective, it's not always going to agree with the Republican Party. It's not always going to agree with Fox News. I know that's shocking. And guess what? If you always look at things from a theological perspective, it's not always going to agree with MSNBC or the Democratic Party because God's ways are not our ways. So I guess this created so much controversy, they pulled the publishing of it for two weeks. Critics raised concern. Okay, and in an email to Christianity Today, Harrison described the controversy as a handful of quotations were taken out of context to allege some conspiracy to import critical race theory. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. If I, if we could find a way to remove the letter C R T from the English language, I would, I would, I would actually go vote. I would actually go, since I don't vote, but if you can get on a ballot, let's remove the letter C R T from the English language. I will go vote affirmative. Remove it. Remove C R T. Remove it. We'll have to change the way we spell words and pronounce words, but that's okay. Because I am so sick of hearing C R T. I am so sick of it. I have been told by Christians that this is the greatest threat to the church. I'm saying the greatest threat to the church is critical race theory. You guys wouldn't know critical race theory if it drove by and and hit you with a brick. And then we don't even get me started on the Vadi Bakum. Is that how you say his name? Um, His whole book. And we we dealt with all of that controversy over it. I'm just, and all these Christians like critical race theory, the greatest threat to the church, the great. And I'm like, the critical race theory is not the greatest threat to the church. The political hijacking of the church is a far greater threat than the critical race theory. But it's like critical race theory is the liberal hijacking of the church. I'm like, well, what about the conservative Republican hijacking of the church? Oh, we never mentioned that, do we? We never mentioned that. All right. So of course, critical race theory. So it sounds like what happens is that they published Luther's large catechism and its original form, no edits. They added, eight, what, 80 essays. This turned into a 700-page book. And someone went through the essays and were like, oh, look, at that. that's critical race theory. Probably said slavery is bad. That's critical race theory. Probably says denying people rights because of their, the race of their skin. That's, that's, that's critical race theory. So this was probably more, had nothing to do with theology, probably had to do with someone's political perspectives, don't you think? But, okay, so in an email to Christianity Today, Harrison described, remember Harrison's the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Here we go. That a handful of quotations were taken out of context to allege some conspiracy to import CRT, sexual ambiguity, and woke issues in general, into the LCMS. 
Because, you know, woke, woke, woke is the, is the greatest threat to Christianity. While we're running around yelling and screaming about Sam Smith, Kim Petras, the Grammys, CRT, and woke issues, the church continues to be theologically illiterate, biblically illiterate, and, we ha- and, and not even realize that we've been so politically hijacked that the church has basically prostituted itself to political parties for political influence and power while denying Christ and basically committing spiritual adultery. But I digress. Here we go. By February the 2nd, he asked the president, asked Concordia Publishing to resume distribution. And then this is a tweet from the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod official Twitter account. The distribution of the large catechism has resumed. Please read President Harrison's statement on the matter at the following link. Harrison says he does not have the authority to halt a publication that has been through the doctrinal review process and that while some things might have been expressed more clearly, nevertheless, there is nothing in the content of the volume promoting critical race theory, imagine that, confusion of sexual issues or any theological position at odds with biblical and confessional Lutheranism. Because again, people think critical race theory is is anywhere. You just mentioned, hey, I think uh, enslaving people because of the color of their skin is bad. (gasps) Critical race theory. I think denying people basic rights because of their race is wrong. Critical race theory. And it's like, man, it's just so, it's so ridiculous. It it really is. He condemned, hang on, I got Siri trying to talk to me right quick. All right, there we go. Um, Harrison goes on to say, uh, speaking of Harrison, the president of the um, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He, uh, he condemned unchristian attacks on the editors and contributors of the annotated large catechism. Uh, imagine that. Yeah, because uh, when Christians attack, rarely is it Christian. When Christians decide to, to, to I mean, I, I don't even get me started on, I mean, I, I could give a practical example. It just happened the other day. Christians will just make judgments and condemn and and you can't even you can't even make them see that their judgment is not based on fact it's based off an opinion it's ba- it's it's just not fair it's, it's you're you're challenging mo- and but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter uh the christian world is uh is a mess sometimes it's it's a mess but all right here we go so he condemned the unchristian well actually let me, let me take that back let me take it back the christian world is a mess and it should be expected to be a mess because all Christians are sinners. So we're all going to sin in some way, shape, or form. So to be fair, we shouldn't be shocked by it or surprised by it. I just wish Christians would acknowledge how messed up we are. Because while, we're, while we do all of these things that are messed up, we then turn around and try to claim, hey, hey, we, we can obey God perfectly, basically. So it's not the way it works. But in a Twitter thread that, ha- that received more than a quarter million views... I want you to hear that again. In a Twitter thread that received more than a quarter million views, LCMS layman Ryan, uh, turn, I don't know how to say his name, Termitseed, all right, Turn, Turn, Turn up Seed. I guess I, I don't know how you would say his name. Uh, I'll just spell it T U R N, Turn, I P, Turn Ip, Seed, S E E D. I'm doing, trying to break it down, but Turn Ip Seed, that's, I guess that's up. How you would pronounce his last name? First outlined 15 objections within the essay collection and urged Lutherans to contact Harrison with their concerns. For example, 
This individual took issue with an essay from Concordia Seminary St. Louis professor claiming that the Fifth Commandment and the Lutheran tradition, the instruction against murder, denies a biblical foundation for the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Now, of course, how dare he say that? How dare you look at some of the things in Scripture, love your enemy, turn the other cheek, resist not evil, do not murder, and go, "Mm, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is a pro-gun document. Ah, how dare you? Because, again, you're not allowed to question. You must follow the traditions of men. You must follow. You must stay in line. You cannot look around. Keep your head, your eyes in front of you. Stay in single file and just walk off the cliff with everyone else. So this person was upset because, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. The, then they quote, the recognition of a legitimate place for the use of the sword within God's plan for his creation certainly does not provide a scriptural foundation for a right to bear arms. Now, when he talks about the uh, for the use of the sword, the use of the sword is typically seen, say in Romans, as given over to the government, right? Not to the individual. So the individual having a gun seems to go against the the way the Bible seems to put it. Now, you could argue the government could allow for a well-regulated militia, which would be like the National Guard, right? So then would that not fulfill that that constitutional amendment? Does that mean that every everyone now you can whatever you want to say about owning a gun, fine. What I this is what I would like Christians to do. I'm gonna own a gun, someone comes in my house, I'm gonna put seven bullets in them and I don't care. But I cannot necessarily say that's justified by Scripture. See, I don't know why that's so controversial. But Christians like absolutely not. It's just, because we want to. We always want Scripture to justify our thinking, our feelings, and our actions. I think to me, like I know I have feelings and actions and thoughts that are not biblically mandated or allowed. I understand that, and I would never try to twist the Scriptures to make it say. I would just be like, I understand that. You say, well, you should change it. Well, guess what? I wish I could just get rid of my sinful nature. (laughs) Okay, I wish. I wish my mind would just, you know, if I, I, look, I could go move into a monastery and it doesn't mean, I'm still going to have wrong thinking, wrong feelings and wrong ideas. The new larger catechism also includes an essay from a pastor and LCMS Black Clergy Caucus president, a Warren Lattimore on the fifth commandment with Lattimore writing in a footnote that the deaths of a number of unarmed black citizens at the hands of white individuals or police officers sparked widespread protests and turmoil in recent years. And especially in 2020, many churches sought ways to promote racial justice and healing. Lutheran pastor and blogger Larry Bean called the description a leftist interpretation of the George Floyd rights and a deliberate cherry picking of crime statistics involving racial breakdowns. So I guess you're not supposed to say that there's been horrible incidents where African-Americans were killed at the hands of white police officers. I guess you're not not allowed to say that. That's you can't you can't mention that tragedy. Because it's always what, what we always do. Like, but what about, what about, what about this? Well, how about we just talk about that first? No, 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 no. We can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. And, and, and trust me, if you're an African-American and you share some horrible experiences you've gone through, you may be told that you're a liar and it never happened. Okay. I could be wrong, but I, I think that can happen sometimes. 
Once, uh, let's see. And uh, so, and, uh, and so in a blog, uh, let me go here. Let me read this again. All right. Let, let me uh, read this paragraph. And a blog post entitled The Large CRTism, right? Or in other words, okay. So this is a blog post basically calling the new, lar- the, uh, the large catechism, the CRTism. Like, in other words, it's, it's not the catechism. It's become the critical race theory catechism. Bean said the, uh, that the essays contained a lot of wokeism and disturbing amount of political leftism being put forth on political hot-button issues. David Ramirez, pastor of the St. Paul Lutheran Church in Union Grove, Wisconsin, agreed and called out pretty clear terminology and red flags. Once Harrison announced that distribution of the Luther's catechism would resume, Bean, Bean urged readers vigorously attack disagreeable ideas while refraining from attacking people. We have the right and the duty to write, to make arguments, to express our opinions, and to go after repugnant ideas, avoiding the temptation to go after individuals with whom we disagree. Okay, well, that's that's nice. Um, and a forward, Harrison called the catechism one of the greatest resources for the Christian faith and living ever produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. In the denomination of nearly 2 million members, some moderates were frustrated that Harrison paused distribution in the first place, appearing to question the LCMS doctrinal review process. The LCMS Commission on Theology and Church Relations reviewed and approved the full text of the book. All right, and I I won't go through the rest of it, but that's the basic idea. So there you have it. So what do we see? Once again, you got to stay in your lane because if you deviate, you're going to get in trouble. All right. Now, I would love to see what they have to say in regards to the Ten Commandments and the the Second Amendment of the Constitution. I'd love to see what they have to say in regards to some of the of Scripture and what it may say in regards to some of the things we've witnessed in regards to racial injustice. I don't know why that's that's called leftism, wokeism. I think that's called we have a Bible. And the Bible gives God's law, God's perspective, God's standard. One, we immediately realize that we violate that standard in thought, word, and deed. And we acknowledge that. We confess that and understand our only hope is the imputed righteousness of Christ. But you also look at it and go, how would this apply to that situation? How do we look at that situation? Not from a political perspective, but the fact that they referred to it as leftism, wokeism, CRT. They were using all the political terminology. They were, I don't think that the essays used that terminology. They, that, that, that the essays were being viewed as being these things, meaning that the people critiquing it was critiquing it on, not on the basis of its theology, but on the basis that it went against their politic. Meaning, once again, that it's another example of the church being so politically hijacked. You can't even speak about certain things. And it's like, you're leftist. You're Democrat. It's like, why are you looking at it through a political prism? Why are you looking at it through a political lens? What we should be doing is like, well, that, man, that was a horrible situation. That person was beat to death by police officers. I think that's wrong. I think that's wrong. Oh, there we go. Okay, someone just said, the critique should come from a theological standpoint or not at all. Exactly. 
I got no problem critiquing it. Just like I want the people to be able to write the essays and explore and question, I want the people reading it to be able to critique it. So that thank you very much for the person who just said that. Thank you so, 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 so very much. Because I don't I don't think I was being balanced. I want to make sure we understand that I, I, I think that we have to be allowed to critique and to question and to challenge. I want the people writing the essay, essays to have some freedom to explore. I understand there's a danger. You don't want to go off into heresy. You don't want to go off into some crazy world. I understand that. But I want people critiquing it. If you're going to critique it for this is liberal wokeism, well, then don't critique it based off you don't agree with its supposed political slant. Uh, critique it from a theological standpoint. Critique it from a theological standpoint. Christians just now, if, if, you're, if your biblical interpretation seems to be too much in line with liberalism or wokeism, supposedly, it's immediately wrong. That's not how you critique something. How did they get the scriptural interpretation wrong? What was the theological flaw in their argument? What was the hermeneutical flaw? But... Christianity just pushes people into a box. You can never question or struggle. And a lot of Christians have felt that. Oh, I can't I can't ask that question in church. I can't ask that question in Sunday school. Why can't you ask that question? Why can't you ask the question? Well, because because it, okay, well, that that that's Christianity for you. And then the this, this the whole political way of thinking is just it's just so has entered into the church we want to avoid heresy but we want that freedom to struggle we want that freedom to struggle um Very good point. Uh, says, bet if I read all the systematic theologies from before, say, 2010, the words they used to critique would be nowhere, but they sure are in a lot of political discussion. Exactly. A lot of things, a lot of the, the words used to critique are words that are not, they're not, they're not theological term, leftism, wokeism, CRT. That's, wait, 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 what, what are they saying theologically? What does the text say? So I, I don't. I wasn't aware of this controversy. I am now very interested in purchasing a copy of the book. I am very, 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 very interested. Probably not. It's probably as it's probably not as near as interesting as the controversy is making it. But I would be interested to see. Now, again, I I, I would like to know if there is any of these essays going. Oh, well, they're offering kind of a see. What I'm interested in is let's look at these essays. Well, that's an interesting theological perspective. I haven't heard that one before. I wonder if we need to pay attention to that one. I wonder if that's going to show up somewhere else. But see, the critiques are not looking at it from such a balanced theological perspective. They're looking at it like leftism, wokeism, liberalism. It's and it's like whoa, 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 whoa. You're looking at it from a political standpoint. Don't you realize that's the whole problem? If you're going to cri criticize their politic, but you're arguing it from your politic then both of you are wrong because both of you are looking at it from a political standpoint. All right, I'm going to check and make sure there's no other comments coming through. 
going to look everywhere. I don't know what's happening here. Okay, there we go. All right. Yes. Thank you so very much for those comments. <laughs> uh, looking at other comments. Uh, looking at other comments. I love so very much to look at all the comments. So thank you very much for sharing them. All right. I think I'm going to stop. I've accomplished what I wanted to. Challenged you. Given you some news. You can you can tell me what you think. I think this just is a sign where the church is. The church is politically hijacked. And the church, once again, you, you got you to you stay within the lines. You can't. You can't color outside the lines in any way, shape, or form. And I think there's got to be room for questioning and challenging. At the same time, trying to maintain theological accuracy. So, all right. News. IF at yahoo.com. That's news. IF at yahoo.com. News. IF at yahoo.com. News. IF at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much for commenting uh, to the listener who's been commenting. I really, 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 really appreciate it. I love all of your comments. Very helpful. Adds to the program. So thank you so very much. All right. Everyone have a great day. I can't wait for your email. Now tomorrow, we'll see what the new controversy is because guess what? This controversy over the Lutheran catechism, everyone's going to move on in 24 hours and we have to see what the new controversy will be but we do know this. There will be another one. Maybe the reason there's so many controversies because we've abandoned Christianity. We now see everything through a political lens. God bless. <laughs>